Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. everybody welcome back to tremble the horror movie podcast i'm your host curtis with me as always is steven taylor how you two doing doing well i mean we just got to talk about one of my favorite movies ever so i'm Mm -hmm. feeling i'm feeling the the endorphins of that yeah yeah we uh talked about don darko and now we're talking about another richard kelly movie and one that probably i mean not even probably definitely is not as talked about as don darko um but uh, you know, maybe it's got its its charm, and that's the box. What's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Keep making that joke. Every time it came up on the screen, that line from Seven came into my head. <laughs> What's in the box? I, I'm gonna be completely honest, though. Like, I don't even like when after watching it again, I I was like, oh no, I don't really have a lot to say about this movie. I yeah. have a lot to say about this movie. <laughs> oh, perfect. Good. <laughs> I, I was have, worried. <laughs> I have some issues. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah, I I mean, I don't know how much I want to go into right now because we'll probably get into it as we go through <laughs> all the stuff. But oh, my. Oh, my. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I just think for an advanced alien race that they're just kind of fucking stupid. That's all. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> I watched this movie when it first came out, and this was my first time revisiting it, and I was like, this doesn't really hold up. And I'll get into why, but like, I I was like, I don't know, I feel like this might have been a one and done I don't think I ever need to watch this movie again in my life, but yeah. Um, I felt like that at the time when I initially saw it, so to tackle it again for this show was like, I never thought I'd be coming back to this movie. No, mm-hmm. no. And, uh, the reason why for me is I feel like once you know how this plot goes, there's nothing like in terms of rewatch value for this movie. Like it is so intrinsically tied to the plot and the reveals and the surprises that once you know those all, this movie doesn't really have much going for it, in no. my opinion. Um, you know, whereas with Donnie Darko, you could have seen this move that movie uh, hundreds of times. There's still some value in it this i was like i don't get that same impression like i feel like once i watched the box once that's it don't you know what happens you don't need to watch it again mm-hmm. yeah and I, f- I feel like it's interesting because in the last episode when we talked about um just the way that the story is revealed and the way that certain things maybe aren't revealed on screen for the audience and the audience has to kind of dig through the layers a little bit I feel like in Donnie Darko, that was done really, really well. Whereas in the box, it's just like, I don't know. It kind of seems messy almost in the Mm -hmm. way that information or certain plot points are shown to the audience. Mm. And I definitely found myself confused in a couple of uh, different scenes, just being like, what is is even actually happening here? Like, what is the point to some Mm -hmm. of this shit that is even going on in this movie? I don't, I don't. I don't know if I get it all the time. 
so yeah, different, same same director, different uh, reactions uh, in mm-hmm. in for me at least. Well, and I think he was trapped in the fact that um, this isn't an original idea from him. This is mm-hmm. based on a, an, a short story by Richard Matheson, the same guy that did I Am Legend and and uh, many other, uh, I mean, Stir of Echoes and many other stories. But he was kind of like, he adapted this story almost completely faithfully. And I think it fails him in the end. I think he's mm-hmm. much better on his own ideas of course that's a you know apparently a controversial statement if you look at the scores of his other films but um yeah i think that's where and, and even domino suffers from the same because that's the true story the supposedly true story of domino harvey but even that one is feels like it's all over the place too mm-hmm. so it's yeah. like when he has to do something that is pre-existing he has a hard time of keeping it contained in a in a way that works yeah well and the the original short story it is different than the plot of the box the movie the original short story a different person entirely dies and it has different consequences Mm -hmm. um and and i i do recommend it's it's like maybe a five or ten minute read depending on how fast you read um and it is a really good short story it's it's simple it's there's it's not complicated um you get the point of what it is immediately as soon as you finish Mm. it and there is a line in this movie that does allude to the the original ending of the short story as well um where they talk about do you really know the people in your family um and i don't i don't know it's i think what had happened was this this short story got adapted into a twilight zone episode mm-hmm. um which changed the plot and then the plot of the box is actually more like the twilight zone episode than it is like the original short story right but the original short story is so short there's not too much like you'd have to adapt on it to make it into a full-length movie yeah. so um i i understand from that aspect but but what they did in in terms of the the filler and and all the extra bits that were added to it i don't I don't. I just don't necessarily know if it was needed to go that far into the sci-fi alien thing. I guess it. It just seems like it adds way more questions and way more uh, elements that you just. It doesn't necessarily. F- the pieces don't necessarily fit together as nicely when it gets a little complicated with that. In in my opinion, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they should have maybe given the in the writing credits it should have been um included that that episode of Twilight Zone should have been more that yeah we're being we're adapting from this more yeah than, I don't know than the Richard Matheson one cuz um, I, I I mean I I I think a lot of Matheson's work works better on the page than it does in any adaptation Yes yeah um, um, including I Am Legend. Like, I know it's a controversial thing, but with Omega Man out there and Last Man on Earth out there and that Will Smith movie, which I don't think is very good um, out yeah. there. I um, mean, what's interesting, too, about that adaptation of I Am Legend is the cut ending of I Am Legend was actually closer to mm-hmm. Richard Matheson's I Am Legend yeah. uh, in terms of the original story. Because I read his original I Am Legend story. It's also not like a full-length novel. It's a little bit shorter. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really good at the same time. And and yeah, there's there's themes in there's themes in his writing that don't necessarily always translate into when people bring them into onto the bigger screen. And I think to the point that when um, 
his his story uh, his short story the box is based on was called button button and when that was adapted into the twilight zone episode i don't think he even wanted his name in the credits because he actually didn't like what they did with the story when they adapted it for the show yeah um i think he changed his name in the credits of the show so it wouldn't say richard matheson i can't remember what it, it actually said but hmm. Um, so yeah, so it, it's interesting the way that his work kind of seems to be adapted and, and just slightly changed so that it doesn't really convey the same context or meaning as, as the original written work did. But mm -hmm. anyways, I'm, I'm a, a big reader most of the time. So I love analyzing the differences between written works and what actually makes it into the movie. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I knew this was a story that was like adapted previously yeah, in the twilight zone i mean the 80s twilight zone is not too well regarded but like there were some a few interesting ideas that they had in that uh, series and yeah re-watching this i was like yeah it does feel like a twilight zone episode like it just in terms of like the structure and how the story's told and all that stuff so um but yeah uh what is the box even about we haven't even got. We haven't even gotten to the synopsis. Yet. <laughs> but a couple faces a moral dilemma when they receive a box that, if opened, would give them a million dollars and kill someone. I, I'm going to add to the synopsis too that it's someone that they don't know is the also the addendum to that. Mm -hmm. um, there's obviously more to it than that, but uh, yeah. Uh, first time watch. Uh, God, for me, it was like. I want to say, like, around the time it came out. I did watch this in theaters, but it was not on opening weekend. It was probably, like, a week or two afterwards. But, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think, too, like, the draw was the actors, too, because uh, I didn't make the connection at the time that it was a Richard Kelly movie and Darko and all that stuff. But, like, when I, I, when I saw the poster and you see... Um, uh, I forget the actress's name. God, she's pretty famous. Cameron Diaz. Is. Cameron Diaz. Sorry. Mm -hmm. And uh, James Marsden. I was like, okay, I know these two. I'll, I'll go watch the movie. And uh, yeah, I remember at the time watching it, I was like, this is great. Like, this is so well done. And uh, I hadn't watched the movie since until for this podcast. And then rewatching it, I was like, eh, I feel like this movie is hasn't held, held up as well as it could but did have jillian jacobs in it so there's that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was this before community yes okay this is 2009 so yeah quite a bit i always feel i think like... this was like actually no not quite a bit i think like this is like directly before it because uh, i feel, i know community started in 2009 mm -hmm. so yeah would have been like... roughly around the same time yeah we hadn't been totally breaded yet yeah, not quite. <laughs> but uh, good for her, like Jillian Jacobs. So she appears in a lot of horror stuff. Like she does a lot of different stuff. Fear she... Street, baby. Oh mm -hmm. man, I still am writing the high from Fear Street. Oh, so good. the bread slicer. I still can't get over it. Oh yeah, we gotta talk about that at one point. I st yeah, I still can't even like. I mean. Especially to do it to like a female lead too, I'm just like, holy shit! I'm yeah. so blown away. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, what was everyone else's first times like? 
definitely on DVD. I rented it on DVD because, uh, like I said, there was really no ad push behind this. I had no idea that Richard Kelly had done this movie. This is, I mean, far before I was following everything so closely. Um, I don't like Cameron Diaz as an actress. I don't think there's there's maybe a, a few films that I think she's great in, but other than that, I don't I don't value her as an actress at all. Um, and James Marsden has never been enough for me to to go see a movie just because mm-hmm. of him. I, I really like Frank Langella, and I will tip my hat that he's my favorite performance in this movie. Yep. Um, but, yeah, there, there really wasn't a huge amount of appeal about this movie. I think maybe in the video store when I when I looked at the director, I was like, oh, shit, it's Richard, Richard Kelly, and I grabbed it on that. Yeah. But, like... Yeah, and I, I honestly would say that this probably didn't even last very long in theaters either. No, like I remember I saw it, yeah, like a week after it came out. And then I remember a friend wanted to see it. And then we checked like the week after or something like that. And it was already out of the theaters. So, yeah, didn't didn't last that long. <laughs> that long. Yeah, no doubt. Um, cool. Taylor, oh, yeah. You? I watched it for the podcast. I remember I remember seeing promotional stuff for this movie, I think at some point, but it didn't quite draw me in. Like, I think I remember seeing the promotional stuff and being like, uh, I don't know how this really looks. This looks like I kind of already know how it's going to end up, which right. I mean, to credit where credit's due, it didn't really end up where I thought it was going to end up because this movie went buck wild and went off in a direction that is entirely different from what I thought the whole premise was. Um, but yeah, I watched it. I think if I had known that it was the same director, because I just didn't really look into this movie when I saw it, if I had realized that it was the Donnie Darko director, I probably would have had a little more interest, um, and watched it, but, um, I don't necessarily know. I mean, I, I apologize to anyone who likes this movie, but my opinion of this movie is not very high, so I am not (laughs) upset that I did not watch it sooner. (laughs) I don't think we're dashing the dreams of a beloved classic. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I yeah. Mean, and here's the thing. I think it would be interesting for a hardened horror fan to watch this at least once. Like, yeah. just just give it one chance. But by no means are you going to a week later be like, I'm going to rewatch the box. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. There are some cool themes and some cool ideas um and some directions that this movie could have gone that i feel like maybe would have made it make a bit more sense yeah but um other than that there's like there aren't even really any great like we haven't got to best kill yet but like there isn't even really any great kills in this movie that's where i have i have some issue yeah it's gonna be hard to figure that one but i mean it looks great too is uh, uh steven steven poster that did the same guy that did donnie darko yeah so it looks really great i like the effects on on langella mm-hmm. on, on his his human look yeah um yeah. but um because I, I really like that effect on his face um mm-hmm. yeah but yeah this is this is a rough film yeah and I don't even mind Cameron Diaz normally. I, I think she's fun in some movies that she does. But this one, I just, it, it's kind of one of those roles that you're, 
you're reminded the entire time that it's Cameron Diaz. Like you yeah. can't quite separate them from the role. It's the same with, I mean, last episode we had a bit of a rib on Seth Rogen, but Seth Rogen sometimes says that to me too, where I can't, it's specifically in that movie, Paul, um, with, uh, oh, I'm Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Yes. Yes. I wanted to like that movie so much, but I could not divorce that character from Seth Rogen. And so it was hard for me to get past it. And there's a little bit of that in this movie with Cameron Diaz too. Like I, I wanted to like her character so much, but at the same time, I just, it was Cameron Diaz, you know? Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I generally, I, I, I don't have that bad of an opinion of Cameron Diaz, but for some reason in this movie, I just couldn't get past it. Yeah. She's, I don't know. I hate to say it too, but I think Cameron Diaz has kind of fallen off the face of the earth. Like, I don't know. She's retired. She retired. Okay. Well, that would explain yeah. It. She retired from acting. Uh, she's married to Ben. One of the Maddens. Yep. Benji so, Madden, I want to say. Yep. Yeah. So she's retired for a while and just like he has essentially. Um, yeah. When here's something totally fucked up that I just learned right now. What? So I was talking about the cinematography, uh, Steve Poster, that this, did the cinematography for this. He did the cinematography for Southland Tales and Donnie Darko. Mm-hmm. He also shot Dead and Buried and Blood Beach. Wow. Dead and Buried is a movie I can't wait to talk about on this podcast. Oh, me too. I have the 4K special edi- collector's edition. And, I mean, Jack Albertson. All day long, everybody. Let's just say it's a movie that takes the uncle from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and makes him a fucking psychopath. While he's in the final stages of terminal cancer. Yeah. Ooh, I have not seen this movie yet, and I'm excited now. Stan Winston does the effects for it. Some of the craziest stuff you've ever seen, and it was made in 1981. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. It's oh my god. The the oh, what's her name on the table? That scene. Oh yeah. Oh, god, I can't wait. Yeah. This I, is on a li- this is on a list coming up, right? Yeah, for sure. Oh I, my god. I, I just wait. discovered the movie like a few months ago and I was like, Jesus Christ, this movie's awesome. Like It's one of the greatest horror movies. It's one of the greatest eighties horror movies ever. Ever. Yeah. 100%. So good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> tangent there. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, yeah. I mean, we had to talk about a better movie to get to, through this. You know, movie. yeah, we talk about Dead and Buried to get through. Talk about the box. Um, <laughs> we do have, a and we got to put Blood Beach on that list actually too. Blood Beach is also really good. Fuck yeah. Um, Josh, in an email says, "Would you push the button?" Obviously not. It didn't fucking go no. well for anybody. No, you're not going to no. push the button. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure the, the two outcomes are even if you don't push the button, you're still taken by this alien race. Uh, like, you don't have a choice. So, I mean, if if for some reason there was just a box with a button and you would get a million dollars and there was no aliens and there was nothing else happening, but someone would die, mm-hmm. what would you guys do? What would you guys do in that situation? If there wasn't any of this alien bullshit and it was a box that would give you a million dollars, but someone random would die. But it doesn't turn out to be random, does it? No. I mean, not in the context of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) No. Well, then it's the whole, you know, it. it, This is gonna sound like such a fucking stretch and and like eye rolling for a lot of listeners, but it's almost like 
the COVID, like the vaccine thing and everything that we've been going through for the last little bit is like, yeah, you might like you taking the choice of like, I'm not taking this vaccine or like, okay, you might not, you might not kill somebody in your meet, but it would be a, a random person that you might kill. Yeah. That might, or not kill, but it would have like the catalyst to that person getting really sick or dying or whatever so it's kind of like the same it's loosely the same kind of decision decision yeah yeah i actually hadn't even thought about it that way but that's a really good way to think about it. Mm-hmm. uh right um and then jerome says the shit is basically the killing of, of a sacred deer what the fuck and eh, killing of a sacred deer is actually a good movie so mm-hmm. don't, don't mm-hmm. slander yarkos nope. I mean, never, I never I, slander Mr. Lenthimos. He is, he is a tremble god. Yeah, tremble MVP. I yep. don't think there were any aliens in Killing of a Sacred Deer. <laughs> nope. No, that's I, I, I can't get over it. It's like my notes for this movie were like pretty standard for the most part. I was like, oh, who the, there's the creepy kid in class, and I made a note about him because he was. Um, I, I got halfway through the movie and realized there was still an hour left of it. And then at some point, <laughs> at some point in my notes, it just ends with, wait, is this an alien movie? And then I just like, I literally can't get over the fact that the answer to all of this is just aliens. I, I, yeah. It's, yeah. it's that meme. <laughs> it really is. It really is a fucking meme. Oh God. It, uh, yeah, it's just. I don't know. Uh, go watch Killiness of a Sacred Deer. Don't watch this movie. There you go. No. Problems off. No. I'm sorry, Richard Kelly. And this is the last thing he ever did. Or has any intention of doing because there's no news of any Kelly anything. That's just sad. Right? Yeah. Like, did, did the whole system break him? Did Southland Tales infinitely end his career? Yeah, I I want to imagine so. I mean, here's the thing: like, I think with like a lot of these directors, like they have a they have a, an idea that they're probably sitting on for like mm-hmm. eons, and I'm sure like he probably had Donnie Darko stewing for a while, and then you know did it and did well. Studio is gonna be like, so what's the next thing we're working on? And then it's like, oh well, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I feel like Richard Kelly might be like a one trick pony where like he had Donnie Darko. That was his like his piece de resistance. And then that was Mm -hmm. it. I hate to say it, but that's so sad. Yeah. So I don't know. I would love for, I would love to be proven wrong. on that. I would love Richard Kelly to come back one day and just say, you know what? Uh, I've got this great idea. Maybe Donnie Darko sequel. Uh, Probably not, but you know, this, well, the same year he did the box, he also produced a movie called World's Greatest Dad, which is Bobcat Goldthwait. Okay. So maybe the conduit to Richard Kelly is Bobcat Goldthwait. I think, yeah, that's that's a good thing that we can, yeah. Just Bobcat Goldthwait <laughs> and get them all together. There you go. Yeah, get them, get them back together. Because Bobcat's a great filmmaker as well. Yeah, he really is. God Bless America, I fucking love that movie. And A World's Greatest Dad is a really, really, really great movie with a really great Robin Williams performance in it. Yeah. 
for sure. God bless America. Is that the one with the middle-aged guy and the teen girl who go around like yep killing people? Yeah, yeah. Yes, that oh, movie rocks. I, yeah, I, I really like that one too. That movie absolutely rocks. And he did a Bigfoot movie. That's so weird. Will Willow Creek. Okay. Yeah, he did a Bigfoot movie. Bobcat's an interesting dude. I listened to him on. Um, I listened to him on, I think it was the movie crypt with, uh, Joe Lynch and Adam green. And yeah, I really, I really like Bobcat. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see here. Uh, best line of this movie. Try to think of what my favorite line was. Oh God. <laughs> the only one that I had really written down was there's a scene where, um, James Marston is talking to his son about Santa Claus and he's like you ever really believed in Santa you never really believed in Santa Claus did you and his son goes not really you should have come up with a better story than a fat guy coming down the chimney it's so illogical and they mm-hmm. just have like a little back and forth that I thought was really good mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of the only like really good moment you even get between the parents and their son like for the most part it's it's almost like the what we talked about with Donnie Darko last episode it's just like detached parents who mm-hmm. like aren't actually like their son is just kind of a prop in this movie to to move yeah. the plot forward a little bit, but yeah, yeah. I think that's and but it also shows the fundamental difference between both films because there aren't as many of uh, much of the script that really stands out to you. Yeah. I think my closest thing is when uh, Arlington Stewart um, just explains why a box. Hmm. And and the dichotomy of, of the boxes playing people's lives and everything, mm-hmm. which also shows I think his his alien nature, kind of mm-hmm. early on as well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this this movie isn't strong in the script department at all, which is just like another showing that Kelly's better in his own element. Yeah. Because even like like. Darko and, and Southland have such great scripts to them. I I believe I like I really like the dialogue to them, but yeah, this this one's just really struggles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I did think this movie was at least watchable. So there's that. <laughs> you know, uh, Lord knows I've watched a lot of horror movies that I'm like I can't even sit through this. Or even some non-horror movies. <laughs> home sweet home alone. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I'll give this movie that. It's, like, it sounds like we're just dump, dunking on this movie, but, like, I don't know. It was it was watchable. Just very mm-hmm. uninspired, I think, is really... Yeah. Yeah. That's probably a good way to put it. it Especially coming really off Darko like... and going into this one. Yeah. It's like... Yeah. There was definitely something missing in the soul mm-hmm. of this movie that just wasn't there. Um... Probably my favorite line was uh, when Arlington says, there are always consequences. I was like, oh, okay. That's, that got perked up a little bit. <laughs> it wasn't like the greatest line ever, but I was like, okay. I can, I can kind of get behind that. <sighs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, best performance. Langella. Yeah. He's just, he, you know, in anything he does, he just adds like so much gravitas mm-hmm. to it. Um, I was also, I, I'm of the camp that I didn't realize that he was Skeletor in Masters of the Universe until I was definitely an adult. 
Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's arguably, Escalator's the best part of that live action movie. So I'm like, oh, well, Angela has always been kind of the draw to movies that he's been in for a very, very long time. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, he's... And I, I... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was I was just going to say, I feel like with any other character in this movie, you could probably swap out the actor playing them and it wouldn't mm. make too much of a difference, you know? No, probably not. Cool. Um, best kill. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm like... I didn't write anything down. Like there wasn't no. anything memorable. So no. Yeah, I mean, I would say Cameron Diaz because it's kind of the only kill we see on screen. But that yep. was just. I mean, I'll go more into that when we get to dumbest decision. But oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Worst kill, maybe. If we had a worst kill, then that would be it. Like it's like it should win by default, but I also feel like I'd rather give it to nobody rather than to <laughs> her. Yeah. Just. <sighs> There's some choices in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess everyone is in the same boat. Nothing for best yep. kill. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, dumbest decision. Okay. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Taylor's ready. Fire Here we go. I mean, let's not even talk about the fact that this alien species is coming down and saying, oh, we're going to test the altru beings by putting them in this super fucked up situation like they're lab rats because that mm. makes us so better in terms of you know a species as an alien species obviously we're the morality police here like what first of all fuck that that's i think that's kind of dumb anyways mm -hmm. i in general the the actual button push from cameron diaz's character Yes, a dumb decision, but I kind of get at least her character's reasoning. Like, they have they spend a lot of time going on the back and forth, which I feel like is, like, they have a little bit of time there to kind of rationalize, even if it's they can't rationalize because they don't know everything about what's going on or know everything about their decision. But mm -hmm. Cameron Diaz just being like, fuck it, there's nothing in the box. It's probably just a stupid prank and pressing the button. Like, I can understand that. Yeah. What I don't understand is the fact that all of these people, supposedly, once they get to, they have children, the children have been given these um, disabilities, like they're made blind, they're made deaf or whatever, and all of these couples are making the decision that it's better to kill one of the parents than just have their, you know, come to terms with what's happened and, and like, help their child live with this stuff. Like, if you have to make that choice, I just think that's a dumb choice to make to be, like, yeah, let's just, let's kill one of the parents and then have the other parent go to jail, essentially leaving this child an orphan and traumatizing mm -hmm. them, mm -hmm. as opposed to just dealing with the decisions that we have made and helping our child try and live the most normal life possible, also dealing, you know, having two loving parents there. Like, I just don't understand how that decision makes any sense. Like, when Cameron Diaz's character, she says something like, I can't live to see him like this. Like, bitch, you put him in this position. This is your fault. <laughs> Anyways, I could not handle the ending of this movie because that just seemed so... I don't know. It just seemed so illogical to me. And there were so there were just a couple times in this movie where characters said or did things that I was like, what really? That's what you're gonna... That's what you're gonna do? Okay, sure. Just do it. <laughs> I, I understand the plot needs to 
move forward based off of this dumb decision you're making. So I will buy into it. But at the same time, I don't buy into it. And that is my rant. That is my rant about dumbest decision for this movie. Because it's just, there were so many times that I was like, ah, that, no, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't yeah. Like it. There was a few times. I think the third act is just one large cluster of It's just a decisions. mess. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I... I I cannot diminish Taylor's rant at all. It it was just fucking perfect. So <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna second that. I'm gonna absolutely second that. And yeah, it just it's just further heaping on disappointment when it comes to this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I gotta say, like, I was trying to think of like how to articulate it, and then you went on that rant, and I'm like, no, nah, she did that already pretty well. Like, I can't <laughs> like I can't build on that. Like, you know. Yeah. Man. Yeah, no, I just, watching this whole movie was constantly just like, there are so many other decisions you could have made. But at the same mm-hmm. time, the whole purpose, this whole idea of what what is behind the box and why this alien species is doing this, it's just, I also just think it's kind of, it's kind of dumb. I'm sorry, I don't really buy into it. I don't see this idea of this benevolent alien species. Like, I, I guess maybe it's not necessarily a dumb idea or a dumb story idea. It's just the way that it was done in this movie. I just mm. don't, I don't necessarily have sympathy for any of the main characters. I think they're all kind of like chickens with their heads cut off a little bit. Like they're yeah. just running around and reacting to things, but they don't seem to have too much agency. And that's, it kind of takes away a little bit of the, the, I don't know. I almost just feel like there wasn't necessarily a point because if they never really had a choice in the first place, because if they hit the button, then they're going to go through basically the events of the movie. And if they don't hit the button, I think there's an implication that they're still going to get fucked over by these aliens. Like these aliens are still not going to leave them alone. So it's like, what, what is even the point of having this moral choice at all then? Because you're mm-hmm. just making decisions for humans anyways. So, okay, I could keep going about this for literally hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's just what's so frustrating about this movie is like, you go watch Donnie Darko and like, again, you could tell that's a movie that was well thought out, like percolated for a while. I get the impression the box was written like pretty quickly. I don't want to say a yeah. weekend, but I feel like there's a good chance it could have been written over a weekend. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's <sighs> put this movie out of its misery. That's what I'm thinking for a score. I'm gonna give it a six. Um, like I said, it's not a, it's not like a hate watch or anything. <laughs> no. It just isn't. It's just it's clunky. It misses pieces. And then when it's not clunky, it's cluttered. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like I I said, Matheson works better on the page. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, I'll go literal middle of the road on this one. Give it a five out of ten. Like, it's it's barely watchable. I think it does do some interesting things, but it's just few and far between and there's just not enough to support the whole movie and by the time you get to the end it just turns into like a shit show like Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they 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 really tried to flesh out the story but in the end it it was just they just tried to do too much maybe 
Like you can really tell what they're trying to do and the atmosphere and tension they're trying to create and, mm-hmm. and the mystery. Um, but then you kind of get to the end and you're like, oh, okay, so it was aliens and that guy was an alien and now they're in this fucked up situation. And yeah, I don't know. It just kind of falls flat at the end. You don't really get that sense of, oh, the mystery has been revealed and now I know everything. I don't know. I never had that sense while I was watching this. Um, yeah. I'm going to agree with Kurt and go with a five. Um, I Yeah, I mean, it's still a watchable movie. Uh, there are definitely still moments that, you know, you're going to... Um, cool ideas, you know? Cool ideas for sure. Yeah. I just... Yeah, I, I definitely am not going to... I'm definitely not going to rewatch this one. Either. I don't see too... I, even if there was things that maybe I missed throughout... Man, those things can just stay unknown. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, these things... If there's anything missed, it's probably not significant. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I, I think it's telling for me that, like, I watched that movie when... Or watched this movie when it first came out. And then watched it later. And if anything, I feel like... Yeah, I I did not uh, did not need to see this movie. Like, just was not necessary. Um, you know, it, it, I think it, there was a certain level of like interest when it first came out, but now it's just like, yeah, no, not quite. Don't don't quite need to revisit this anytime soon. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the the way that they I remember the promotional stuff being for it was very much like yes this. There is a box, and you need to decide if you want to take the money or kill a person. And that I remember that was like just the main part of the promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, you get actually get into this movie, and there's this whole extra plot about alien invasions. And I, yeah, it almost like is a jump the shark type of thing for me, I guess, where yeah. it's like you just tried to stretch it a little too far past the point of believability. But mm-hmm. yeah. Sorry, I was, I was I was distracted to think of our next recording, and immediately I'm like, "Yeah, this is already better than the box," like immediately. Yep. Okay. Well, Steve, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Steeple Dead. I think that's also for Letterboxd as well. Uh, I am on. Uh, you can find my website, sorry, at uh, steve7.ca, and I am on uh, the Shift with Shane Hewitt. Every Thursday is at 11 p.m. Pacific time. That's across Canada. And then locally in Vancouver on the Jazz Joe Hall show every Friday as part of his three things for the weekend. Nice. Taylor, where can people find you on the internet? I'm on Instagram and Twitch as Techronomicon. I stream every Monday and Friday in November for the month of November, at least, while I try and get some writing done um feel free to hop into stream and chat i mostly just like put on jazzy music and try and focus on putting some words on paper so if you are in the same predicament feel free to stop by and we can write together um otherwise if i do anything post about it on my blog which is just circianic.home.blog nice uh and yeah i'm over three grinners.com by time this is up uh let me double check but i'm pretty sure uh that my interview with robbie amell will be up as well yeah it will be cool. uh yeah i interviewed robbie amell for uh 
Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, a movie that I'll also be reviewing. I've already seen it because I was fortunate enough to watch it in preparation for my interview with Robbie. And uh, yeah, here's the thing. I, as a Resident Evil fan, I loved it. I think if you're not a fan, you're going to maybe miss like why it is the way that it is, but it's just so accurate to the games. And like, I had fucking pumped. I had (laughs) such a great time watching it. It's like somebody played the games and literally just turned it into a movie. And yeah, like I'm totally here for that. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted originally. Yeah. Well, I mean, God, I've played, I've played or watched the original movies. Sorry. And yeah, those movies are not that great. Like they no. just butcher the characters. They add in a bunch of characters that are not necessary. This is like trimming all that fat. This is basically just Resident Evil as you know and love it. Um, Paul made a movie for his wife. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, and there was quite a. If you've played the games, there's a lot of like memes and in jokes to the games. It's not like too much, but there was a few moments where I was like laughing. I'm like, okay. I they put in a Jill Sandwich reference. I'm glad awesome. that I've lived long enough in my life that I captured that on 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 the, the screen. So yeah, go watch it. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter, film critic Kurt. I'm on Letterbox as well. Fatal Koala. I'm usually reviewing things on there, uh, like Home Sweet Home Alone, and uh, just torture and agony that that brings. Until next time, everybody. Bye for now.